recovering from his surgery, as we heard this morning, and that's, we can praise God for that. Um, keep him in your prayers. Um, during this Christmas season, we've been looking at the person of Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Matt uh, spoke on how Jesus is not welcome. Uh, and then last week, he spoke on the virgin birth and how Jesus is uniquely qualified to be our Savior. But today, I want to look at some of the names of Jesus. But before we begin, let's ask God, God to guide our time. Father God, thank you so much for this, this season, this time of year, when our focus turns to you. Lord, I pray that this season will begin a, a new time in our lives, a time when our focus is always on you, that every day, every month, we think about you and how we can worship you, how we can serve you. And Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would guide our time. I pray that your words would be spoken this morning. Thank you for everyone here, Lord. And I ask that you would bless them richly this season. In Jesus' name, amen. What's in a name? Does your name mean something? Do you even know what your name means? When Nancy and I were expecting our first child, we were trying to decide on what name to give him. And if it was a boy, I had a name all picked out. I was going to call him Zachariah Obadiah Bonifield. Yeah, that's a name, right? That is a name. That just flows off of your tongue. I didn't win that battle. We we decided to name him Eli. And Eli means high or ascended. If you're a parent, you had to come up with a name for your child. What made you choose their name? Are they named after someone in the family? Maybe you just like the sound of it. Maybe it was the most popular name at the time. In our Western culture, I'm not sure we put much emphasis on names, but in the biblical times, and even in Eastern cultures today, a name means something. The significance of a name is found in its ability to communicate affluence and reputation. If someone has a famous name, they're often treated with respect and honor. If someone has a last name that's associated with bad behavior, they may be disrespected, dishonored. But typically, we use names as mere designators to distinguish one person from another. They do not have much significance to us, and any meaning they may have might be unknown to us, or we might not even be concerned with what it means. In the West, we name our children particular names because they sound nice, or maybe they hold certain sentimental value. In Hebrew culture, culture, a name was not a label or a tool to distinguish one person from another. A person's name was viewed as equivalent to the person himself. A person's name signified their person, their worth, 
their character, their reputation, their authority, their ownership. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, should we take this literally to mean that there somewhere there was a large tower with the letters L-O-R-D? No. The point is that the Lord himself is a strong tower, a place of refuge that the righteous can run to. Other scriptures confirm the idea that God's name is equivalent to God himself. Psalm 18.49, Malachi 3.16, Matthew 10.22, and John 3.18. Speaking and writing in the name of someone signified their authority or that you had their authority. Exodus 5.12 and 1 Kings 21.8. Naming something indicated a person's ownership of that. To forget God's name was, was almost equivalent, was equivalent to departing from God. To blot, to blot out someone's name was to destroy that person their character, their reputation. Christ is said to have manifested the Father's name, meaning that he has made his person known to humanity. John 17, 26. To believe on the name of Christ is to believe in the person of Christ. And to be gathered in his name is to be gathered together in his mind, will, and purpose. In Acts 4, 7, The Sanhedrin asked Peter and John concerning the healing of the lame man, by what power or what name have you done this? And the response was that it was done in the name of Jesus Christ. The apostles did not mean that when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, that the phrase or the words themselves had any power. It wasn't a magical formula. But it was faith in the person of Jesus. And so when we see a name in the Bible, it's more than just a designator. Jesus has many names. He is Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Lamb of God, Son of God, Emmanuel, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Savior, and the list goes on. Today I want to focus on just three of them. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Emmanuel. It means God with us. Why is that significant? Because prior to Jesus' coming, there was distance between God and man. God was enthroned in heaven. Man was here on earth. And all through the Old Testament, you can see this distance. Only at certain times 
did God allow his people into his presence. And then, only after certain purifications had been done. When Moses led the people out of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai. And God spoke to them from that mountain. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. We're going to be kind of jumping around in the Bible this morning. Exodus 19. Starting in verse, 20, in verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them, to them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up the mountain. God put limits He said, you can come this far and no farther. Where did this distance come from? The simple answer is sin. Namely, Adam's sin. Way back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we have the account of the fall of man. And when I read this, I get a picture in my mind. I don't know if you do that when you read scripture. Do you try to visualize what's going on? Now, the picture I get isn't scripture. It's just my opinion. I could be totally wrong. The details of the account in chapters 2 and 3 of Genesis help me form a picture in my mind so that I can understand what's going on. God created this beautiful garden. He put trees in it and flowers in it and rivers running through it. And then he places man in there to take care of the garden. And in chapter 3, verse 8, we read that the man and his wife heard the sound of God walking in the garden. Did God often walk in the garden? Did Adam and Eve walk with God in the garden? What did that look like? How much time had passed from the time Adam and Eve were in the garden until they fell? We don't know. Doesn't tell us how much time. But one day, the devil entered the garden. And he got them to think that they didn't need God. He got them to believe that maybe God was holding out on them. And if they would just eat that fruit, they would be like God. That's the root of sin. That God is holding out on you. He's keeping something from you. He doesn't want you to have the things he has. And so we start believing that we don't need God. Well, what happened? God banished them from the garden. And just like that, there was distance. But Jesus erased that distance. God came to humanity 
to show us that we do, in fact, need him. Jesus is God in human flesh. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 and verse 14 say, In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh, verse 14 says. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John is connecting Jesus with God. And he is saying right at the start, Jesus is God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse, 13, verse 3, it says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. The Son is God. And God came to humanity to provide salvation. He knew there was no way we could save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Many people are going through this life thinking, hoping that the good they have done will outweigh the bad and God will let them into heaven. But Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The word used there for filthy rags is the word used to describe the cloth that women used during their menstrual cycle. And so if you're trying to earn your way to heaven, that's what your righteous acts are. A menstrual cloth. But God loves you and me so much that he came to save us. He is our Emmanuel. And that's why when the angels came to the shepherds, they could, they could proclaim, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Which brings us to the second name. The angel went to both Joseph and Mary and told them to name the child Jesus. Matthew 121 and Luke 131 both record those accounts. The name Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The angel told Joseph to name him Jesus. And the reason was because he would save his people from their sins. Because Jesus is God, he is the only one capable, the only one qualified to save humanity. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23. Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 7, starting verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, 
he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests. He meets our need. Jesus meets our need. What is our need? We need a way to bridge the distance that exists between us and God. And we need a way to get to God. And Jesus is that way. Jesus said it himself in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. You can't get to God without Jesus. Look back there at Hebrews. It says the death prevented the human priests from continuing in their priesthood. They'd have a high priest, and he would get old and die, and they'd get another high priest, and he'd get old and die, and they'd get another high priest, and he'd get old and die, and that just kept going, kept going, kept going. But Jesus rose from the dead, and he lives forever. And so because he lives forever, because he, and he lives forever because he is God, he can continue his priesthood forever. And he can intercede for us, for you and I, forever. And so he's able to save us. And I love that next word there. He is able to save Lost my place. Oh, yes. Verse 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely. He is able to save completely. He's holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. And the salvation that Jesus brings to you and I is complete. It lacks nothing, it needs nothing. It is not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus good works. It's not Jesus plus whatever. It's Jesus. Only Jesus. You can have full assurance that Jesus is able to save you completely and provide a way for you to get to God. And that's good news. That's good news, and it brings us great joy. You have a need. I have a need, and Jesus meets that need completely. And so that brings us to the third name I want to look at. It's found in Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. We'll begin reading at verse 11. I saw heaven standing open... And there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. 
The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter, and he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's hard for us to think in terms of having a king. We don't think about kings very much today. We don't think about kings in the way that they're used in Scripture. We're not under the rule of a king. But for first, the first century readers, they would have understood what John was talking about here. I see a king had absolute authority. He had the power of life and death in his hands. If he wanted you to live, you lived. If he wanted you to die or condemned you to death, you died. And in Scripture, we find examples of good kings and evil kings and those who followed God and those who didn't. And when Jesus first came, he came humble, riding on a donkey. Matthew 21.5 says, See your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. But when he comes the second time, he comes on his war horse. And he's coming to judge the world. Well, let's look at how our king is described. He is faithful and true. He said he's coming back, and he's going to keep his word. We can trust Jesus. There is nothing false in him, and he judges with justice. There won't be any appeals that we can make to his judgments. We won't be able to say, I didn't get a fair trial. His judgments are just. His eyes are like blazing fire. He has a penetrating gaze that sees right through to your heart, to my heart. We can't hide from God. We can't hide anything from Him. He is wearing many crowns as a symbol of His ultimate authority. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. This is His blood that was shed for you and for me to save us from our sins. By His blood... We are saved. He is called the Word of God. The King is God. His sharp sword, he has a sharp sword coming out of his mouth, which means he will defeat his enemies simply by the power of his Word. That is our King, ladies and gentlemen. And he's coming for his own. The King is coming. So what do we do with all this? What's our response? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you know that there's distance between you and God. And you've been trying to do it your way. And you've been realizing that it's not working. Maybe you're here today because this is what you do on Sunday morning. You come to church. But it's just empty ritual. And you leave the doors empty. Not changed. If this is you, then you have to admit you have a need. 
a need that you can't meet. And I want to give you a chance to meet that need and to find the one who can meet that need. Maybe you've come to the realization that you do have a need and you've placed your faith and trust in the one who can meet that need. And now your king is calling you to do something. But you're resisting him. I'm here to say that he only has the best for you. And so submit to that authority that he has. And watch what he does in you and through you. Well, wherever you are this morning, let this Christmas season mark a turning point in your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being our Emmanuel. Thank you for coming to save us for meeting the need, for erasing the distance that exists between you and I. Father, we need you. Help us. Help us to come to you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who needs you, I pray that they would have the assurance and the the strength and the courage to find you this morning. To seek me out or one of the other elders or someone they're sitting next to so that they can rejoice with great joy this Christmas season. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue in a spirit of worship as we reflect on that promise of God being with us and what a, what a joy that is, what a, what a sense of peace and joy that should give us today. That the centerpiece of the universe is called Emmanuel. God is with us, is loaded with meaning. The name points to his deity. It points to our significance as objects of his love. And it points to the presence, capitalized, uniting us to him. That means that all of creation was designed to bring us into personal contact with the affection of our creator. This was evident when the Spirit breathed life into the first Adam. It was clear when Jesus breathed his Spirit into his disciples. And it is apparent in the, apparent in the union of the Son and his bride in the next age. Though many view the gospel through lenses that focus on our depravity and our salvation, on our obligation and service to him, or on the expansion of his kingdom, all these are important and valuable truths. But his presence points to a higher truth, affection. He loves us. Our existence is an overflow of his love. Let's go to a time of prayer.
Oh God, as we come today and as we reflect on the message that Jerry gave, God, we desire that um, we just never will reduce the role of your presence to a matter of simply saving us or equipping us for service or possibly even a trip overseas. May we realize, Lord, today that you are with us for all of these purposes, but you're with us for so much more. You come close to enjoy us. You come close to express your love. And we know that, Lord, that is the driving force behind creation. It's why you created us. And it needs to be the driving force that draws us closer to you each day. Oh God, I pray that for this body at Elam today and this week you would help us to know your presence and feel your affection. To hunger after you, Lord. And that you, Lord, would receive the affection that we desire to give you. Help us, Father, as a body at Elam to express it well. May it shape everything we do all the days of our lives. You saved us completely. And we praise you, Father. We think of those today, Lord, who are gathering, who are worshiping you in in secret and are being persecuted, Lord. We pray that you would lift them up and encourage them today. We pray for healing, Lord, for Pastor Matt, that he might find rest and, and recuperating times this week where he might just be able to enjoy and experience your quietness, your affection and your love. We pray that for all those who need healing in our body throughout this week. We pray for those who are lonely, who are experiencing maybe the loss of a loved one in the past year and, and God are just feeling down because of that. We pray that you would lift them up today. Father, we pray for those who are overseas, who are serving our country, who are away from family this time of the year. We we pray for them today. Would you just encourage them? God, we are so blessed to just gather as a family, Lord, to be able to encourage each other, to laugh, to cry. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for those, Lord, who are on front lines of ministry overseas. We especially think of the Bevises, Randy and Cheryl today. We thank you for all the opportunities that you've given them in various countries to help in this uh, fish farming that is so dear to Randy's heart and he's so gifted in. We thank you for that. We pray for their family as they spend time apart that you would just encourage each, each one of them today you would lift them up and that God that you would just uh, continue to open doors for Randy through this uh, the Congo fish farming projects that he's involved in oh God we thank you for all the work that you're doing in all of our missionaries and we just praise you father today father too we're we're grateful for the way that you bless this body financially and giftedness and God, as our ushers prepare to come forward to, to, to collect our tithes and offerings, 
God, I pray that you would remind us of all that we have. I pray that, God, you would help us to, to see the things that we have, to be, to be shared with those in need, to see your kingdom expanded overseas and right here in Kokato and Dassel in the area. Oh, God, give us a heart, a cheerful heart that gives back to you what's all yours anyway. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here with us. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.